Right. I'm Chris Avina with American Outdoor News. Today we have David Morell from uh, Bow Spider. Uh, Dave, thanks for coming on. And uh, I tell you, you, your your product is really uh, um, an advancement for bow hunters and crossbow hunters. Uh, can you tell us how you actually came up with the idea? Well, uh, I, I certainly can, you know, and at Bow Spider, what we like to say is that we don't make arch you a better archer, we make archery better, right? And we truly do mean that, we live by that, and we've got some really cool new products, but I lost a bull elk of a lifetime by strapping a bow to a bag, trying to get my buddy to get it unbuckled and hand me my bow, never got the bow off the bag in time, never got the elk harvested. That was in 2016. 2019, after a whole bunch of prototyping, R&Ding, destructive testing, we launched what you now have as Bow Spider. There's been a few minor tweaks from 19 till now. You know, we keep keep refining it, keep adding additions, and we've got a couple new products that you've seen that launching pretty quick. So, you know, I I never did get that bull, but at least I can get my bow now. <laughs> yeah, you're. Um... Yeah, I saw we met in Harrisburg at the Harrisburg show. And uh, uh, as I was walking by, I saw you demonstrating it. And I was like, wow, that is something. I mean, seeing is believing. And you make the bow so accessible with the bow spider, whether you have it on your back or you're riding it with it on your hip so you can run and gun. Um, it's so Steve, easy. I would say 90% of people can become that efficient with the bow spider in about 10 tries. Some people are as quick as five tries because it's, it's just that handy and it's hands-free and we've been conditioned for so many years that you're just going to carry this aluminum stick around with you and, you know, basically incapacitate one hand the rest of the day. That's just what bow hunting is, right? hundred percent. Not, not anymore. So with this system, if, if your customers and listeners haven't heard or checked it out, we have some videos seeing as believing, but it's simply if you mount one on the wall of your home, mount one on the headrest of your truck, one on the top of your backpack, one on the hip of your backpack, and then if you're doing presets, go ahead and put it on your safety tether or go ahead and secure one in the tree and leave it. You can go from your house all the way to the field, including up and down the tree and in the tree. Never have to hold your bow, but always have your bow accessible within seconds. That is a huge advantage. One of the things for the whitetail hunters that is finally catching on is no more pull rope needed up and down the tree. Cut that rope off, throw it in the garbage where it belongs, right? And put your bow on your back. It's secure. It's safe all the way up the tree. Once you get in the tree and you get you secured and safe in the tree, then take your bow off your back and go ahead and secure it in the tree. And it's, it's... I did a, a couple hunts in Missouri on a lease where they had preset ladder stands. I just had my bow spider on my safety tether. I climb up the tree, got in the tree, took my safety tether out, secured it tight to the tree, carabinered into it. Well, lo and behold, there was already one of our receivers on that tether. Took my bow off my back and hung it in the tree, turned around and sat down, <laughs> hung my little backpack off the side of the stand and went to rattling. And it's, I like having my kit just because as an elk hunter here out west we are always we're not going to the same tree every day yep. we're going to a different tree every 15 minutes so your kit has to be accessible manageable but stowed 
and it's got to be quick. You know, it's not, I'm not going to have a garage sale, every tree looking for a different piece of item. You know, I've got to pull up. Okay. I need my wind checker. Okay. I need my range finder. Okay. I need my cow call. Okay. I need my bugle tube. Okay. I need my bow. Okay. We're going to move to another tree. All that stuff's got to go back in its storage compartments, whatever that is. And we're moving and you don't want to be losing gear along the way because 12 mile high cancel and Gretel breadcrumbs is not fun, right? <laughs> well, we've all First, hiked through the woods and we've all found Hunter's gear along the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. And if that gear is so, somewhere on Sitka Island from our last film is a six hour rangefinder. So whoever finds that, you're welcome. <laughs> hey, I was looking for a new rangefinder. How about that? <laughs> yeah. I'll give you I'll give you some approximate coordinates on Kodiak Island. Good, good luck. Have fun. Now, you, you design when you get right down to it, I mean, it's so simple. It's completely so, simple. And the, the best inventions appear simple on the surface. So There's how, 70 changes and, and three years of R&D in that simple design. So how how did you actually come up with the original design? I know, you know, you missed the bull and, you know, that it's a great story, but what made you think of, hey, you know, if we do it like this, it's easier. That takes a little, that takes a lot of thought. So I've always been really mechanically inclined. In high school, I started building a 38 Chevy pickup with a bunch of donor vehicles and just, you know, how does this piece work with this piece? I, I took the telephone apart in the 80s for fun. What, what makes it tick? I got yelled at for it, but I took the cover <laughs> off the telephone, right? And we're not talking these phones, we're talking... You know, the one with the cord, the dial. Someone, <laughs> yeah. We we had buttons then, but we still never dial. But pretty close. Anyways, uh, my father is a mechanical engineer. I came up with the idea of, hey, I want my pump on my back, you know. And I came home to my little wood shop here and made a really crude, rude, you know, prototype of what I wanted. Essentially, I wanted a coat hook, right, and a coat rack rod. That's what I wanted. And so we just started R&Ding and bouncing back and forth. And we we started the first year. I didn't even own a 3D printer. I would just send one file to one 3D printer, one file to another, and then we machined the other piece. And we didn't tell anybody what it was. It's just, hey, just print me this plastic piece and ship it to this address. We got I got to where I could see that those 3D printers were, it would behoove us to have one in-house to where we could really rapidly come up with a, a design concept, print it, you know, in 12 hours, I can be out destructive testing it going, no, that's not what I want, right? Let's, let's add this angle or let's take this feature or let's make it smaller, bigger, whatever. And the, at some point in time, we'll do a video. The first one was, was a square box with a, with a U slot in it, right? It had no features other than, I mean, it's almost, unrecognizable compared to what you buy in the store today but if you lay them side by side you can kind of see an idea of well, how we get there and we scaled it up to four inches in diameter and down to two inches in diameter we kind of found that goldilocks zone of that it's a three three and a quarter inch diameter no. could we scale it down and make it a little smaller yes but that gets really uncomfortable when you go to put it on the hip so now um this was when when did you uh, come out with the original bow spider so 19 the fall of 19 we launched the website and had the tooling so you know it was 
it was like 36, 40 months of every day I was thinking about it, working on it, trying to figure out how to perfect it. And it's still, it's not 100% today. You know, could it be better? Yes. But there comes a point in manufacturing, and they say this all the time, where you got to shoot the engineer and ship the product. Yep. <laughs> I mean, could we could refine it back down to... You know, and, and what I'm talking about refining, we could go to carbon fiber and titanium, right? We could really add some cool features and really make it over the top craftsmanship. But the price is going to go to two, three hundred dollars a unit. And you got to find that spot in the market where the market will bear the price of your product, right? Yep. I think you're right at the sweet spot right now. And now That's, you're. Lean and mean and fast and furious. You're expanding into different products, and now you have uh, a crossbow design that you come uh, launching this year as well. Yep, crossbow design we've been working on, and the hardest thing is going from one product to then three skews, right? Because we had the one product in three colors, yep. so now we have like 55 skews. I have 55 items that I have to track, keep inventory on, keep reordering, and then. I've now have, you know, when I first started, I had one product to focus on, one thing to work on, one thing to R&D, no, no other demands on my time other than my, my nine to five day job and, and the family time. Now I've got this whole business to run. I've got the old product to keep in stock and, you know, keep the customers happy on top of now I got to try and R&D new products. And so it's a, it's a different monster coming out with your third and fourth and fifth product prototype while trying to manage the existing. The original, the existing yes. Well, I uh, now have in my hands the um, crossbow model, and I just booked a crossbow hunt in North Carolina. So you you're really going to be putting it i'm gonna be putting it to the test this october and uh i'll actually have a review in the august edition of the uh american outdoor news so you can read my assessment about it and um i'm looking forward to really getting down and dirty with it and where that come from here a year and a half two years ago i had a a good family friend of mine draw an out-of-state elk tag and he builder by trade you know Get, getting senior there in years and he had to have rotator cuff surgery on not one but both shoulders in the spring before he came he you know we find out he draw the tag early spring found out hey my shoulders are shot i got to get them repaired so he goes and have, have the surgery he just was not up to 100 percent come august and he he reached out and said you know i think i'm just going to turn this tag back in i'm not even going to come hunt i can't draw my bow and i said to him well crossbows are legal here whether I, I agree with them or not, I'm not a big proponent of crossbows, but I, I said, it's legal. You can do it. You have a medical reason why you really have to. You can't even pull. He couldn't pull 30 pounds. He had turned his wow. bow all the way down. He just, he was not, he was not healed up as quick as the doctor said. Now, I think he's back to shooting his bow now, but he brought that crossbow at my bequest and I watched him struggle for a week packing that dang thing around, right? It just on the sling is beating him against the leg. You know, if you try and carry it one handed, it's it's not comfortable. So now yep. you got this two handed thing and he's trying to navigate these 
pretty technical steep trails to where the elk are. So we just ended up every day having to strap that thing to his bag. And then he'd get to the meadow and he, we'd have to unstrap it for him. Meanwhile, his son and I are walking around with our bows on our bow spiders. And he's like, can't you just make this work on mine? And I'm like, I could, I don't want to, but would it? Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, kind of for him, we said, you know what, that I've had a lot of inquiries as would it work? Again, I'm, I have nothing against a crossbow hunter. I'm just a bow hunter. And so it was just a natural progression and evolution. And watching him struggle that hard carrying that piece of equipment. Yep. Said, yeah, we can we can help those guys out. So uh, pretty quick here. I've got a, actually a meeting after this one to uh, follow up and see where we're at. But we will be assembling those and packaging them in the next few weeks. And they'll be on the website. Oh, about about time your article comes out in August, they'll be available for purchase on the website. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's uh, uh, definitely opening up a huge demographic for you. I mean, I've always been a rifle hunter. I started um, bow hunting later in life, and I love bow hunting. I, I I think I've taken more deal with my bow than I have with my rifle. Uh, and then when I bought my Excalibur, I was like, Jesus Christ, this thing's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, i love awesome. my crossbow <laughs> oh yeah no they, they they're they're a unique interesting tool and do they have their place certainly they're you know there's there's a ton of guys in in your caliber that are they're going to them they're they are they are moving i just i like my bow so everyone has their preference but we're all doing the same thing so as oh, long yeah. as we stick together the next the generation most important thing to remember is I, I see the, the trend in our industry that, well, if you haven't killed a 200-inch whitetail, if you don't got a 350-inch bull, are you really a hunter, right? Inches don't matter. Inches don't matter. A, a cow elk with a bow is a trophy. And if you really want a challenge, go make a stick. I, I know two different guys that are going out in the woods this year with, you know, hickory-made bows, homemade bow strings, homemade arrows with stone tips not wow. not carbon arrows with steel tips hand chiseled stone tips and i i look at that and i go i'll stick with my compound with carbon arrows and my mechanical broadheads i i like those <laughs> things but you know there are people so if you want a challenge fred barrett you know what i mean oh yeah and not even a recurve a longbow you, you're you're 20 yards max kind of shooter you just are sure sure so now you came out with uh, a harness. Yeah. Yeah. So the harness came about and you can watch my uh, South African cave buffalo hunt. I I went to Africa a, about 10 years ago, sat in a blind, really enjoyed it. If you're ever going to go anywhere in the world to hunt, go to Africa. It's bang for the buck. Best you're going to have. Yep. Take the wives, take the kids. It's a great family vacation. Take your camera and go, you know take some photos you'll be amazed at the sunsets and birds but i i went the first time and we sat in blinds for seven days and i'm a spot and stock hunter that's just who i am so when i booked this next hunt i booked it on the preface that we were going to spot and stock a cape buffalo on film i thought it would be you know i live in dairy cattle country i thought we'd be walking out in the cow field you know, sneak around a big herd of cattle, find the right one standing there, and plug him with an arrow. 
it was it was all but that you can go watch it on our youtube channel at bow spider but i had our our existing harness which we called the attack pack it works just like a bino harness but kind of in reverse instead of you putting your gear on your front you're putting your gear on your back which is a bow spider and a and your bow right yep in Africa, you know, you pretty much have to wear shorts because if you're wearing pants, the uh, brush is just going to shred the bottom half of the pants. So you need, if you're going to spot in stock Africa, shorts with little itty bitty, you know, scree gaiters to keep the thistles out of your socks. Good soft rubber shoes, not tennis shoes, not running shoes. You need good stocking shoes with a soft, soft sole. And you're going to have this bow in your hand and you're trying to move the brush out of your way without making noise. Our new uh, suspenders come about because I wore our old attack pack all week and it just, it does what it's designed to. It's, it's comfortable for three hours, but it's not comfortable for three days. Yep. So this new suspender system we've come up with has a three inch wide shoulder strap will integrate and have any accessory you want on the front, whether that's your bino, your pistol, your rangefinder. I can even put a water system, water bladder, whether that's camelback or marsupial or QU or kafaru, any of their bladder bags will go on the back. So now I can have my rangefinder, my binos, my bow, and my water. So if I'm spot in stock Africa, I don't need anything else, right? The truck's always a mile away. We yep. get done with the stock. We're just gonna we're gonna walk 15 minutes back to the truck. But during the stock, I might want some water. I definitely need rangefinder and binos, and not having to carry this bow because the PHs they all put their rifle on their shoulder, no optics, and they just duck through the brush and away they go. Yeah, you can't do that with a bow. You you just can't. No, I mean my PH turned back to me half a dozen times. You got to be quicker and you got to be quieter. I'm like, which one do you want? You want me quieter? Or you want me quicker because you're not getting bold. <laughs> That's so amazing. at the end of it, I finally, uh, I didn't go in the blinds, but we built some uh, natural brush blinds and some ambush points. We sat in some tree stands. We did get some spot and stock hunting done. And it, it's a whole different world when you get to go spot and stock Africa. What I will caveat that with is, I mean, I'm by nowhere near the best bow hunter on the planet. I, I'm just a guy that wanders around the woods long enough to get lucky. But I can shoot distance. I can, you know, quickly, dynamically get, get an arrow on target in, in, in certain circumstances. And I was able to harvest three animals in seven days of spot and stock hunting in Africa. Wow. My wow. dad went with us, sat in a blind, and shot nine animals and took naps between each animal. <laughs> I think <laughs> while they were waiting for the tracker to come pick up his uh, his Gemsbuck, uh, Impala comes walking in and he shoots it. And the Impala runs over and dies on top of the Gemsbuck 20 yards apart. Wow. So, you know, here I am out there with the snakes and the ticks and the spiders running around with the Cape Buffalo trying to run me over. And he's in, he's in an elevated or a, 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 you know, sunken blind, eating a sandwich. You know, read a book, waiting for an animal to show up. It's a little different. Yeah, two completely different sides of Africa. And I, like I said, I I've done both. I will definitely do both. But if you want a challenge, those animals are hunted for eight nine months a year, and they know when you're there. And they're not they're not very tolerant of human beings. Not like you know, you look at a 
a farm field whitetail or mule deer that sees the farmer drive down every day to check the irrigation, yep. you can dang near drive up to him on a truck. You get out and start walking around other irrigation. They they put their tail up, right? And they go bouncing across the field. But they're only hunted for what four or five, maybe six months in certain states. Yeah. Like out west here, we're only hunting mule deer three months. And they're still skittish. Try hunting an animal nine months of the year. Well, you know, Cape Buffalo are not the friendliest animals. They look at you with bad intentions and uh oh. they intend to uh deliver on their promise. <laughs> Yeah, they, they look at you like you owe them money, a lot of money. <laughs> and they just, it was, uh, you know, I thought I was a big, tough wilderness DIY hunter, you know, living with the grizzly bears and hunting Alaska remote, solo, no no issues. Cape Buffalo is, uh, it's no joke for sure. Oh, it, they're intimidating. There's no question about it. It'll humble you. And, uh, and they're armor plated for sure. Good, good yeah. luck getting through one. So um, what's next for Bow Spider? What do you got coming up for us? You got videos, so, you got product, you got what's what's going on? Well, we got we got something we're going to launch in January for sure in, in the product line. And we'll uh, we'll just leave it at that. Keep keep it. Keep paying attention. The new carrot. <laughs> the, the new <laughs> suspenders are uh, are live on the website today and they are legit made in the USA like everything else we have. So. That, that was pretty neat. I just reached out to a pack manufacturer and I said, look, I need backpack shoulder straps with this on the back. They went ahead and designed it and built it for us and they're sewing it for us. So I sent him our prototype, which wasn't a prototype. You can still order them, the, the attack pack. And I sent him kind of my idea of, hey, I want it more like a backpack, but it's got to be more like suspenders because I don't want anything else. And when we first launched this, people were going to ask me, and people did ask me, are you going to come out with a backpack? Are you going to come out with a backpack? I'm like, no, I can't compete with, you know, Stone Glacier and Mystery Ranch and Kafaru and, and those guys. I, yeah, it's I, a different, uh, it's different platform. But trying to convince you to go away from your favorite old reliable backpack to my backpack because it's going to hold your bow, it just, I could see that. That had been tried in the industry before and had failed multiple times, right? Yeah. Why? Because I'm not going to get the Ford guy to hop in and drive a Dodge because I tell him it's going to tow his trailer better, right? Yep. But if I can make an accessory that will tow all trailers better on all trucks, guess what I just did? I just, I, I just opened up the whole market to me. So that's sure. what we did. We're still probably not going to launch a backpack. But we launched these suspenders for the the mobile guys and what's really cool is if you got a saddle hunter these are going to hold your saddles up right these are going to integrate and let you go to presets faster let you set saddles faster you can hike through the woods with less gear they're just for the for the mobile saddle hunter this is a really cool product but you know think of total archery challenge for the weekend you don't have to go with a backpack anymore so you ask what's next what's new those suspenders are only three weeks old. I've been I've been using the prototypes all spring, and they I, I'll wear them just around the house without my bow on because well I'm getting a little little older and a little misshapen, and they hold your pants up, man. They're suspenders. But we do have a new film coming. YouTube Bow Spider is the channel, and two years ago my dad and I went on the third 
of our doll sheep extravaganza. The first two we didn't film. It was just dad and I going on doll sheep hunts. Uh, I could kind of see the writing on the wall that my dad was 63. We'd gone when he was 60 and gone when he was 57, right? Yep. And I could just see the difference in dad's capability and performance. So I hired a cameraman and I booked instead of we've been doing five day doll sheep hunts. I said, you know what? We're going to do a 10 day doll sheep hunt. Then to do a 10 day doll sheep hunt, that means you got to take 14 days because you got two days of travel up, two days of travel back minimum. Right. right. So I booked just right at two weeks off, went up to Alaska with my dad and we filmed an epic doll sheep hunt and we get a really big ram. And you need if you if you guys haven't heard or seen, you gotta go watch it. Bow spider doll sheep, it'll come up. It's a 10-day Brooks Range DIY doll sheep hunt. And we we on the eleventh hour pull pull a win out of the hat, which is great. Awesome. I gotta check that out. So we doubled down and we filmed um last fall Mountain Goat on Kodiak. And on Sunday I'll be looking watching the first kind of final cut i guess of the film i've seen bits and pieces i was on the hunt so i know what we captured on footage but hopefully here in the next four to six weeks we'll be launching a brand new film and there'll be a lot of cool prize packs to go with and that's a 20-day hunt on kodiak where i lost my rangefinder so <laughs> wow. that was kind of the we looked around and and my dad and I had talked about it. We both have doll sheep, and I know it sounds pretentious, but I lived there and earned it the hard way. Both of them were DIY, on uh, uh, solo fly-out kind of hunts. Um, so we looked around and we said, you know, moose is not very high on the priority. We've got caribou, grizzly bear. I'd like to get one. And dad and I were grizzly bear hunting on Kodiak for 10 days this spring and just didn't quite connect but we had a great trip however we we said last year let's go do mountain goats on kodiak so we did 20 days i invited my little brother and we have a heck of a time it's uh <laughs> what you're going to see on film the only thing that's not going to trans translate really well it rained 16 of the of the 18 hunt days and we had 20 20 days total a day to fly in a day to fly out right that's miserable so, what you're going to see on film is, you know, it looks pretty dry and sunny and nice because the cameras only come out when it wasn't raining sideways. You know, so we got a break in the clouds, the camera come out for a few minutes and then the, the rains comes in and the cameras go away. So 90% of the hunt we're hiking around in the rain uh, for the 10% you're going to see on film. So it looks like it's sunny and beautiful and wonderful, but it's not that way. That's tough. That's a tough hunt. Physically, mentally, it's challenging. No question so we're about it. Try and do one film a year on the YouTube channel. Do a big prize pack, a big giveaway when they come out. But that's you know trying to run a company and and get new products out and go get these films done. There's a there's a lot of time and energy and work that goes into you know everybody watches these film hunts and goes oh that looks like fun. Hey, you you, you want to suck the joy out of a hunt? bring a camera along yep absolutely all right well where can we find bow spider uh so our social medias is bow spider instagram facebook youtube 
And then online is bowspider.com. However, we have 300 retailers nationwide. We have a list on our website, so check out. If, if you're looking for the product, you want to put your hands on it, those retailers have it. However, you can order it from bowspider.com. We ship, we ship daily out of our warehouse here in Wyoming. Okay. All right. Well, I definitely appreciate your time. Is there anything else we need to add before we uh, cut off? Uh, just be safe out there in the woods. Have fun. Take a kid hunting and fishing. We will uh, we'll end with, I actually have a podcast. You might have seen it back here behind us. It's called Radcast Outdoors, and we have hunting and fishing episodes, kind of like what we've done here with everybody today. We've got some really cool guests lined up. We've had Jim Shockey and Tim Gillingham and Randy Newberg all come on and talk about kind of hunting in the industry. We've also had, for the fishing half, Al Linder, you know, Larry Dahlberg, some really cool episodes so i'm only half of the podcast the other half is patrick edwards he kind of he manages and runs and he does he does all the background stuff he does a great job i just kind of get to help bring some guests on and, and share it out and so it's been a we started out we're in the fifth season and 100 i think 130 episodes now wow wow it adds up don't it it's i i just on a whim approached patrick and said hey we've got an opportunity here I think you've you're a pretty experienced fisherman. I I'm experienced hunter. Let's uh let's put a podcast and show together and bring bring a little bit of the Wyoming outdoors to the community. And so our big our big push is trying to get families and youth engaged in the outdoors. So you know take take somebody out hunting or fishing with you. Pass it on. I don't care if it's your grandkid. I don't care if it's you know a neighbor who's in their forties and has never gone fishing or hunting. Definitely. We need to share and promote what we have and what we're doing because, you know, we win or lose this in the court of public opinion. Absolutely. We need to pass it on to the next generation because if we don't band together, whether you're a rifle hunter, bow hunter, crossbow hunter, we're all, our goals are the same. We want to pass yeah. it on to the next generation. Trapping, fishing, you know, and I would, I wouldn't call it consumptive versus non-consumptive. I would call it engaged versus non-engaged, right? Yep. I would call it I would call it an engaged outdoorsman versus an observer. And it's good to be an observer on some levels, but at the end of the day, you know, the there's this concept that observers do no harm and leave no trace. And I I live right on the doors of Yellowstone, Wyoming. I'll tell you right now the observers do almost as much damage as harm to the ecosystem as a or the as the consumptive what you would call consumptive mm -hmm. i would change that name to engaged sportsman outdoorsman versus a non-engaged observer right yeah so we need to be out there you know there's one thing people haven't really talked about a bunch and i used to trap raccoons for money back in the day and they were worth 40 bucks a coon right and it takes by the time you trap one skin one flush it dry it and get it to market there's more than an hour in a coon unless you're faster than me um but coons are now worth dollars right the fur market has crashed the problem yeah. with a raccoon is they just eviscerate pheasant nests in the spring 
Yeah. I love to hunt pheasants. It's one of my favorite things to do. Without the coon trappers, we don't have a healthy pheasant population. And so, you know, we need to look at the ecosystem as a whole, whether we're, you know, take a lake, for example. If, you, if you're overpopulated with walleye or tiger muskie or bass, the, the panfish and the trout are going to struggle. They're, they're getting eaten, right? Yep. So that's why we hire these biologists to say, hey, here's the ecosystem balance. And that works all the way up to wolves and elk here in Yellowstone. And I know that's a contentious hot point topic. But I'll tell you, living with them in my backyard, we don't need any more wolves. We don't need any more grizzly bears. And right here in Yellowstone, we have black bears, mountain lions, grizzly bears, and wolves. All, all on, within the landscape, all in the ecosystem. And the unfortunate part is, is we don't get to manage. And by we, I mean, we as sportsmen don't get to manage the grizzly bears or the wolves. No, the wolves are the poster child for the animal rights activists. Well, when, when you're out on the ground and you're being a uh, engaged sportsman, the wolves like to uh, hamstring their, their prey. And sometimes they eat it, sometimes they don't. They're the... The the Disneyland idea that the big bad wolf has a bad rap is is flawed. The big bad wolf is bad because it's a it's an apex predator. It will not tolerate other predators on the landscape, and they they're killing machines. They do what they do best. So while I want there to be wolves for my grandkids to hear, and I have heard wolves in the wild. I've seen wolves in the wild. If you go watch our doll sheep video, you can watch me actually stalk a wolf. I uh, I am of the proponent that I want there to be a healthy population of wolves on the ecosystem and landscape. However, they should be managed just as we manage raccoons or pheasants or deer or turkeys, right? They, they need to be, so we need to look at the ecosystem as a whole, not just this piece and that piece, because, you know, what we do, what we do with the trout in the trout stream affects what the fishers do, what the fishers do affect what the bobcats and mountain lions do, and that affects what the deer and elk do, right? So it's a it's a whole system, not, you can't go to a lake and say, oh, we're only going to manage the catfish and we're not going to manage any other species. Yep. It's a trickle-down effect. What you do to one is going to affect many others down the line. But right. there's there's one point you touched on, and that's, you know, the trappers need to get together with the houndsmen and the houndsmen need to get together with the fly fishermen and the fly fishermen need to get together with the bait fishermen and the bait fishermen need to get together with the bow hunters and the bow hunters have got to get together with the crossbow hunters. And then we've got to bring the rifle hunter guys in and we all need to be more of a united front against the onslaught of attacks that is happening daily mm -hmm. against our ability to recreate in the outdoors and use our public land because I'm very blessed out here in the West that, you know, three quarters of my state is open for anybody to use at any point in time. Well, you know, hunters were our own worst enemy. We'll attack oh, yeah. each other saying, you know, crossbow hunters is not real hunting. Well, rifle hunters is not real hunting or bow hunting is a... we're all hunting. What's the difference? What you use? If you could use a slingshot, you're going to use a slingshot. Don't have to oh, like it. Certainly. And there, there's the, the pass it on piece of teaching a kid to go out and procure protein, rod or reel, trigger or 
or or non-trigger, right? Steel, I don't care what it is, but to go out and, and procure that protein and go home and and cook it up, there there is a there is a gratification and a sense of accomplishment that comes from you coming to my house. If you're going to come here and we're going to have backstrap smoked on the uh, Green Mountain Grill, I went out and procured that backstrap, carried it in a backpack down the hill, cleaned it, prepped it, cooked it. I know where that protein comes from. I know what my cost on the ecosystem is. And to uh, defer that cost to a butcher, while I have no problem with people doing that, don't condemn me for not utilizing the butcher's services and think I'm the villain here in the in the system when it's really the other way around. 100%. 100%. So, I mean, I, we may have got a little heavy there, but I really do. I, I challenge everybody to find one person that's listening to this. You, somebody's going to come to mind of, I should take that person and help them become an engaged outdoorsman. Yep. It's important. Pass it on. All right. With that in mind, we're running out of time here, but I definitely appreciate your time coming on. Go to um, uh, bowspider.com, check out the new products. Uh, I'm looking forward to checking out my uh, my uh, crossbow spider. And so, uh, with that, are you more excited about it on the back of the pack or the hip of the back of the backpack? I, I think uh, on my backpack, probably so, because. Um, uh, although I I can spot and stalk with the crossbow because it is small enough, um, it's it's I'm going to be in the stand, so it's definitely going to be in the backpack. Okay, well, my only advice is don't use that thing loaded or cocked, please and thank you. You know the the most important tool we can take out in the woods is is being aware of our surroundings and what we're doing. And you know, unfortunately, every year you hear stories about people who weren't being aware so you know there's a difference level of awareness when you're in the middle of alaska dropped off for 12 days versus i'm going a half mile hike for my truck but safety is number one guys pay Absolutely. attention appreciate your time david thanks again we love our children we protect them we guide them we prepare them for life in the world with all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. Life-threatening illnesses and disabilities affect far too many of our children each year. While we cannot change the circumstance, we can make dreams come true. Dreams to provide hope, to provide spiritual healing and strength, to provide moments of happiness and relief in the hardest of times. We can give a glimmer of light and hope in a time of darkness and despair. Join huntofalifetime.org to help make dreams come true, to provide hope for children with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nonprofit organization fulfilling dreams for hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under with life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. Visit huntofalifetime.org to learn how you can make a difference.